Fights Podcast, a podcast that serves up a winning combination of sports and food. Get ready to dive into the latest scores, highlights, and game analysis, all while savoring discussions about your favorite game day snacks and culinary delights. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and together we will explore the delicious intersection of athleticism and gastronomy. So let's kick off this flavorful journey of episode four. It is the big time official start of the college football season. Uh, Thursday night, we'll get into the game that comes up first. We have the Gators and the Utah Utes will square off, but a full action slate of college football. I'm so excited. Plus, it's my birthday Saturday. I'll be 47. Really happy uh, that the college football season starts on my birthday. I've always enjoyed the start of college football season because it's near my birthday. I get to be with my family. We're going to cook. I'll talk about some of the foods we're going to have. We're going to make some homemade cookies and cream ice cream. We'll get into that as well. First, I want to say uh, to all the people that are out there that going through the hurricane down in Florida, I hope everybody is okay. It did put a damper on what I was going to do on Thursday night. I was going to go to the IMG Academy versus Thompson Warrior High School football game here in Alabama. Thompson, of course, the reigning 7A state championship, uh, state champion, excuse me. They have a freshman in Trent Seaborn, who was an eighth grader last year, leading the 7A Thompson team to a state championship over Auburn High that had a couple uh, SEC of quality defensive backs. And he wasn't just a turn-hand-the-ball-off quarterback. He threw it for over 200-plus yards, four touchdowns in that championship game. It was going to be exciting to see him, plus David Stone, one of the top defensive players in the country that just committed to, of course, my favorite team, the Oklahoma Sooners. But due to the hurricane, rightfully so, they're going to take time and not uh, reschedule it more than likely because of the way the teams are, their scheduling. Put a kibosh to that one. But again, looking at a, the full slate of games this week, I'm going to go over all the top 25 teams in action. And, you know, as we process and move forward, I'll kind of cut it down, get some interesting games throughout the, the, the football season. NFL about a week away still from, from kicking off. But I'm going to dive right into the action, what I think is going to happen this weekend in college football. Week one, there's only one game that pairs ranked teams. That's number five, LSU. Number eight, Florida State, down in Orlando. I talked about this when I was doing my top 10 broadcast, talking about the teams in the top 10 that I had. I love this game. I love big-time early season matchups. Two season great quarterbacks, LSU's Jane Daniels, tries to lay his claim to being the best quarterback in the SEC, going up against Jordan Travis. Both have Heisman hopes going into this game. Both have college football playoff hopes and national championship hopes. There's people that think LSU is going to win the West. People that feel that, that Florida State's going to win the ACC. Really like what I see from Florida State. I'm really sold on Florida State this year. I have them in the playoffs. Game is more important to Florida State, I think, because if they lose that game, they only have one more marquee matchup and that's against Clemson uh, two weeks after this game here. LSU still has the benefit of playing in the SEC. You've got Alabama, SEC Championship game, the SEC West, which is going to be really tough again this year. So again, LSU, I think this game does mean more to Florida State with the kind of schedule. But Florida State, you know, they're bringing in Jared Verse. You think about six foot seven Johnny Wilson at wide receiver, Trey Benson at running back. A lot of guys have come back. This is a very... Very, very talented Florida State football team. I look forward to watching this. I still think it's you know bad for Mason Smith being suspended for this game, the NCAA getting involved. I just I don't like it. For stuff that took place way before NIL and you're retroacting 
this suspension for one game. Puts him in a bad spot. You still got Makai Wingo on that defensive line. Harold, Parker, Harold Perkins Jr., which could win Defensive Player of the Year. He was an absolute monster off the edge. They're going to be without their running back as well, John Emery. He's out. So it's going to come down to, you know, Jane Daniels. What can he do? And it's still hard to think that this is a guy who, if you remember seeing the post on social media, the Arizona State teammates were running him out of Arizona State, running him out of Tempe, calling him soft, calling him weak, calling him names that I will not repeat on this podcast. Now could he be the best quarterback in the SEC? Year two of Brian Kelly down there uh, in Death Valley. So I I like Florida State. The line right now has LSU by two and a half. I would take the two and a half. Last year, 24-23 was the final. A blocked PAT after LSU had tied the football game up. You know, just really entertaining game. Um, I expect more of the same, but I think Florida State is the better team. I would take Florida State plus the two and a half. An over of 56, I mean, you were at 47 last year. I think the teams are too good defensively. It, it could. Who knows? It could end up being a 35-31 a football game. I would take the under in this game. Just me saying. Just me saying. But we do start the night off with the game tonight. It is being reported that Cam Rising will not play for Utah. So the Florida Gators are going to travel to Utah, which I think is crazy. I found this stat out. This is the first true non-conference road game in 32 years for the Florida Gators. 32 years since the Florida Gators have been outside the state of Florida for a true non-conference road game. Cam Rising still listed as the number one quarterback. Just don't know if he's going to play. Expect Bryson Barnes to probably get some, some run. Graham Mertz, the transfer from Wisconsin, is going to get to run the show for the Florida Gators after Anthony Richardson is gone. But I think Florida's going to be pretty bad this year. Is this going to be... The hot seat year for Napier, you, you come in not winning in Florida. Just, you know They expect to win. If you're not winning in Florida, you're going to be putting that hot seat really quick. Watch R- Ricky Pearsall for wide receiver and the new defensive coordinator, Austin Armstrong. You know New energy, bad defense. Gave up 30 or more points in six losses last year. The line sits at Utah minus four. I would probably stick with that. I would take Utah giving up the four points. Over under 43 and a half. Without Cam Rising, I would go under. That's how I feel. I just think Cam Rising not playing is going to be detrimental to this team. I still think they're going to be better than Florida, but we shall see. Early games kicking off. All the 11 o'clock games, you know, I love it. I love it. When I used to do radio, people hated 11 o'clock games. I loved it when I was in radio because I got to do the pregame show. I got to watch the game. I got to do the postgame show write the post-game report, and I could still see the game's actions that night. If it's an evening game, the whole day was tied up. I love college football, period. I just, I always enjoyed the 11 a.m. games, you know, for selfish reasons. But first game's early to kick off. Number two, Michigan hosts East Carolina. The line is sitting in Michigan by 36. The over-unders at 51.5. J.J. McCarthy, McCarthy and that really stout offensive line, they look to just pummel East Carolina with Blake Cormick running back. Their, cut, their running back, Rajay Harris, is the one lone bright spot back for ECU, uh, going from a, a kind of air raid attack to a ground game. As long as Michigan doesn't let this turn into like an Appalachian State situation, uh, I, I don't think this is going to be a problem for Michigan. Tennessee welcoming in Virginia. Joe Milton, can he be the man for Josh Heupel in his offense and lead the team? 
I, I do like, I found out Brew McCoy, the wide receiver for the Tennessee Volunteers. I love what he's doing. Signed an NIL deal for Huddle for Hearts. Every touchdown that he scores is going to donate an AED device to somebody in need to try to raise awareness for sudden cardiac arrest. I think, you know, thinking outside of just himself and doing something for the community, I, I love it. I hope Brew McCoy sets the record for most touchdowns scored by a wide receiver just because of that. So tip of the hat to Brew McCoy. Javari Small, the leading rusher back this year. Big off- offensive shoes to fill. Uh, they, you know, they led the nation last year, 525 and a half yards per game. Can Joe Milton lead them to that promised land and possibly a, you know, a college football playoff berth? They're one of those outliers that people talk about. Can they win the East? Can they get past Georgia? We'll see. Tony Elliott breaking in a new quarterback and replacing uh, its top four wide receivers and a rebuilt offensive line. Tony Musket from Monmouth and FCF school is going to be the quarterback for the Virginia Cavaliers. I think they're going to be a bad team. This one is going to be over really, really quick. A game that I'm intrigued in just to see how it happens. Colorado at number 17 TCU. The Horn Frogs coming off their national championship game. You got Coach Prime, Coach Sonny Dykes. What does Colorado bring to the table? Chandler Morris for TCU. He's going to get the start after backing up Spencer Rattler and Matt Duggan. Two leading rushers for TCU is gone. They do get a transfer in from Alabama in JoJo Earl. He's going to team up with the six foot five uh, senior Savion Williams at receiver. TCU's defense, though, ranked number 95 and still makes the national championship game before just getting absolute mollywhopped by Georgia. Need a good edge rusher to step up. Coach Prime, all your talking's done now, sir. It's time to step up. Does your Louis travel? Of course, your son, Shador Sanders, Travis Hunter, Cavassier Smoke, the transfer from Kentucky, trying to kickstart this offense. Worst ranked D in the country, giving up uh, over 400 yards per game. A total overhaul for this team. You know, now you're hearing about, you know, Coach Prime's health problems, uh, nothing to joke about, having toes amputated, circulation problems. Just, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. I hope he's okay. We'll see. I mean, this game right now, TCU favored by 20 and a half. Colorado was a terrible football team last year. What does Coach Prime and the New Look Buffaloes bring to the table? The over-under is 63 and a half. I would take the under in this game. And right now, until I see something from TCU, I mean, 20 and a half, that's a lot. I would, I would probably take Colorado getting the 20 and a half. Again, this is why I don't bet. It's probably a terrible bet, but I would not take TCU giving up 20 and a half points. The Iowa Hawkeyes, a, a, just a bad offense. Them and Iowa State dealing with issues from players gambling. So I don't know if it's appropriate to talk about the lines there, but Iowa is favored by 24 over Utah State. Cade McNamara, the former Michigan quarterback, is going to try to lead this offense that finished next to last, averaging 261.6 yards Per game. All five offensive linemen return. Caleb Johnson, you have a good tight end, and Luke Lachey. He had four of Iowa's only seven receiving touchdowns last year. Um, just not a good offense. Kirk Ferentz, one of those untouchable guys. You know, he's like a professor that's got tenure. He's not going anywhere. It just doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. I still love Iowa for what they do. The turnaround the wave to the Children's Hospital, one of the greatest traditions in all of sports. The uh, Utah State Aggies coming off a 6-7 year last year, 
losing to Memphis in the first responders bowl, trying to get back to a bowl game this year is going to be a challenge for Utah State. Uh, but they're, they're going to be game. The final top 25 team to kick off at 11 o'clock, and I saved it. I didn't want you to think I was homeristic, you know, talking about the Sooners, but Oklahoma takes on Arkansas State in Norman. The first year under Brent Venables did not go so well. Six and seven, you had the embarrassing loss to Texas where you just got lambasted. Now, the end of the year when they lost to Florida State in the Cheez-Its Bowl, it gave you some hope. Javante Barnes, some of these guys at running back, you know, it, it gave you hope. You hope under defense because you know that's what his what Coach Venable's forte is, bringing in Deshaun McCullough, the Big Ten Defensive Freshman of the Year. Can it getting into the right foot? You bring in Peyton Bowen, which I've heard has played in five different positions. They're trying to find a spot for him on the field. I love it. Offensively, though, with Jeff Levy, a second-year quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, Marcus Major, could this be the year that he finally – does what everybody has hoped that he did, does, or could have done, excuse me. You know, the youngster from Millwood came in with such high hope. Adrian Peterson was high on him. We'll see. Gavin Sawchuk, Javante Barnes, Tywee Walker. I think the running game is in great hands. A great uh, offensive line coming back. Jaleel Farouk, Drake Stoops are going to lead the receiving core. You have Gavin Freeman just put on scholarship this year. Austin Snogder coming back from South Carolina to be the tight end in Oklahoma. D obviously then has to get better. Rondrell Bothroy from Wake Forest, Isaiah Coe up front, Ethan Downs. I want to see what Trace Ford does from Oklahoma State. Reggie Grimes, I talked about Canick, Justin Harrington, and Deshaun McCullough. You know, it has to show progress. The, the line is Oklahoma by 35 and a half. I'll take that. The last time they played in 2045 to 7, the over of 58, I don't know. I don't know. I I would lean towards it because I think Oklahoma would score enough almost to cover it on its own, and the defense might give up some points. I hope it's not like last year, you know, heading into, you know, the Nebraska game. You're all excited. It's a great play, and it goes downhill. But I would take the over, and I would take Oklahoma giving up the 35.5 points, even though Oklahoma has probably been upset more times than they've been a, I think it's a 27-point favorite or more. But looking forward to it. The Palace on the Prairie is going to be rocking. It's going to be Hot out in Oklahoma, but I hope you guys enjoy it out there. So, Boomer Sooner, start off the season. Number 22, Ole Miss welcomes in Mercer. The Rebels started out great last year under Lane Kiffin, 7-0, but they stumbled to an 8-5 finish on the year. The quarterback competition this year between Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who's going to get a start. I think Jackson Dart's going to start. And Spencer Sanders... You know, yeah, he's thrown for a ton of yards, but he has terrible decision-making. You saw that in that game last year, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. It was 28 nothing before you know it. A couple interceptions. They added Conference USA, all-Conference USA receiver from Louisiana Tech, Trey Harris. Then you have uh, Keyshawn Judkins, first-team All-SEC, set season records at Ole Miss with 1,500 yards rushing, 1,567 to be exact, 16 touchdowns. The D has to be better that they gave up 35 points a game for the final seven when SEC play really got kind of ranked up. Cedric Johnson and Jared Ivey need to bring stability to that edge position. Mercer's a top 25 FCS team. They played well in week zero, beating North Alabama 17-7. Micah Bell will be their workhorse. Carter Peavy was 12-17 passing with one touchdown, but a bigger challenge, of course, this week in the Grove. No line on that because it's Division I versus FCS. The Oregon Ducks taking on 
The Portland State Vikings, Bo Nix, is back. Can he lead the Ducks to the college football playoff? Pac-12, where I think they kind of cannibalize each other. A lot of people have um, Oregon making it to the playoffs. Bo Nix was playing well until he hurt his ankle in that game in November against Washington. The team gave up 10 points in the last three minutes to lose a big what-if year for the Ducks last year. Running back duo of Noah Winningham and Bucky Irving come back. The combined 1,837 yards they bring in. Uh, Trayshawn Holden from Alabama looking to help on the wide receiver position. Returners Trey Franklin and tight end uh, Travance Ferguson. I think the offense is going to do what Oregon's done in a long time. On the defensive side of the ball, you got transfers Kyrie Jackson from Alabama and Edge Jordan Branch or Jordan Birch from South Carolina. I think you know going to bring some stability to that defensive uh, front as well. Mercer, though, I think they're just overmatched. I think Oregon walks away with this one. Number three, Ohio State at Indiana. New quarterback for Ryan Day. The Buckeyes line up. The line is minus 30. Ohio State favored by 30. The over-under is 59. One of the best receiving groups in all the country, led by Marvin Harrison Jr. Kyle McCord's going to get the start. Trayvon Henderson is a monster at running back so fast. I think they get past Indiana easily in this opener. Even though it's on the road, Indiana was in the bottom of the Big Ten in offense last year. Look for more of the same. Ohio State easy in that. The sneaky game I kind of talked about when I gave my top ten predictions, Boise State at number ten, Washington. Now, Michael Penix Jr., again, he's got a Heisman hopeful you know, in front of him his season. The line is Washington by two touchdowns, 14 points, the over-under at 58-and-a-half. I've seen people pick Boise State for this upset. I don't know if it'll happen, but I expect a tough matchup because Boise State is always that team that's a tough out. The running back for Washington, Cam Davis, is out for the year, but they'll go to Dylan Johnson from Mississippi State to kind of lead the way for them and Will Nixon. Boise State brings a solid ground attack with dual threat quarterback Taylor Green and running backs George Halani and Ashton Gentry. I, I still just think Washington wins this game. If I'm looking at the you know the over under 58, I'll probably take the the over 58 and a half. I think there's going to be some points scored in this one. Number 11, Texas welcoming in Rice. Is Texas back? Is this the year Sark finally gets the team where Texas fans believe they need to be? Quinn Ewers. You know, the the all-everything quarterback coming out of high school had a decent year last year. Not great, decent. Xavier Worthy's phenomenal. I mean, if you've watched any Texas football, one of the best receivers in the country. He's probably up there with Marvin Harrison Jr. Explosive number one running back in the 2023 class, C.J. Baxter. Watch out for him. Could he be the guy to replace Bijan Robinson? But, you know, everything I'm reading and finding out about the Texas defense could they be the side of the ball that leads Texas to victory this year? Led the country in quarterback pressures. Devondre Sweat, Barry Sorrell, we're going to get a problem. Jalen Ford is a monster at Mike Linebacker. He had 119 tackles, four interceptions, three forced fumbles. It's a big year for Sark. You got to start hot, get out of that game injury-free because you know Alabama's coming up next. At Rice, JT Daniels, you're making your start for your fifth team, USC, Georgia, West Virginia. Now you're here. The line is Texas by 35. I, I would take Texas giving up to 35. The over, under 59. I don't know. I would probably go under something like a 42-7 to 7 victory for Texas. Uh, but I think Quinn Ewers, will, will you see Arch Manning? I still don't know. 
I still don't think Arch Manning is that good of a quarterback. Maybe they can develop him. We'll see. Number 13, Notre Dame. They're going to play Tennessee State. Sam Hartman looked really good in week one or week zero against the Navy midshipmen. Expect some more of the same. Four touchdowns for Sam Hartman. And I think they should just destroy Tennessee State. The one interesting fact, you know, the coach for Tennessee State, former Heisman Trophy winner, Eddie George. So that'll be interesting to see out there. But Notre Dame should win. Wisconsin, the 19th-ranked Badgers, jump around Camp Randall. They play Buffalo. Uh, Bucky, you know, looking to, you know, there's a lot of people think Wisconsin might have a chance in the Big Ten. I, I don't know. Phil Lungo brings in the air raid to Camp Randall, which is a huge, a huge difference from what has been going on for the past 30 years with this ground-led attack. But Tanner Mordecai, starting quarterback at SMU, he was at Oklahoma for a while. Mike Tressel bringing in the 3-3-5, trying to be as consistent as Jim Leonard was. Under coach uh, Luke Fickle, it'll be interesting to see what the Badgers bring. Buffalo senior quarterback Cole Snyder and transfer from Rutgers. Uh, he transferred from Rutgers, plus 88% of their rushing attack is back. I just don't think it's going to be not enough for Buffalo at Camp Randall. I think the Badgers win that one really easy. The number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs, will take on Tennessee Martin. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get quick. Carson Beck will get the start. Uh, expect to see Brock Vandegrift in the game. Brock Bowers, a tight end, he probably has some big chunk plays early. And even though they lost Branson Robinson, the dogs are still rolling this one. Plain and simple, I think they roll. Everybody's team they love to hate. The USC Trojans take on Nevada. Caleb's going to be good. Zachariah Branch is going to be good. The defense is going to be bad. The line is USC minus 38 with an over-under 65.5. I would take the points. I would give the points. You know, I think they – actually, I would if I was – I would take Nevada – plus 38 and the over. Nevada had a lot of transfers, like quarterback Brendan Lewis from Colorado. Is that a good thing? I don't know, because Colorado, the worst offense in the league last year in the entire country. We'll see how that transpires. Uh, Ken Wilson, Oregon's former co-defensive coordinator, you know, he's the coach out there. We'll see if that brings any. He was able to go into, like, a lot of the Pac-12 and get some transfers in. I just I, I, I don't think Nevada's going to be that good. Number 16, Kansas State against Southern Mississippi State. Will Howard back as his fourth-year to lead the Wildcats in the Little Apple, Deuce Vaughn is gone, but there's going to be a lot of uh, a, a lot of onus put on DJ Giddens to take over that spotlight for the Cats. Superior uh, senior, super senior linebacker Daniel Green is back as one of the best linebackers in the conference when he's healthy. Kansas State's going to win that game very easy. the The team that I'm interested to watch all year, which could be a, a complete circus, number twenty three Texas A and M. They take on New Mexico. How's this year going to go? Bobby Petrino with Jimbo Fisher. Is that going to be a problem? Connor Weigman is going to be named the starter over Max Johnson. Weigman, who is a big-time recruit out of Texas, led the Aggies in a victory over LSU in the season finale. A-chain is gone. But watch the freshman from El Campo, Ruben Owens. I followed his recruitment a lot. Of course, he considered Oklahoma. Other place he was going, Ruben Owens. Could be one of the best backs in the country. Also, uh, you know, DJ Durkin looking to fix a soft run defense that ranked 123rd nationally. Watch for uh, Walter Nolan to have a breakout year defensive tackle. New Mexico didn't win a game last year in the Mountain West. The line, A&M 38. I'd probably go with, with A&M giving up the 38 to over 49. I don't know if, if New Mexico can store score. I just, terrible. 
Number four, Bama. They're going to kick off their season welcoming Middle Tennessee State. Jalen Miro is going to get the start. I would imagine to see Buckner and some of the other guys play. Justice Haynes, I think he's the future at, at the running back position for the Tide. We'll see. You know, you, you've got some games for the Tide to really kind of get into a groove together. I still don't think – what, what's interesting to me, though, about this, you've got to find a, a decent wide receiver for Alabama. But what kind of boggles my mind is from – you look at what Alabama had on the offensive side of the ball. Alabama's always been known for defense. They put a ton of people in the league. They put a ton of people in the league on the offensive side of the ball. Think about the quarterback room when they had Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, all guys making it to the league. Think of that wide receiver room when you had Jerry Judy, Ruggs, Waddle, Devonta. I mean, amazing room. And now you have questions in the wide receiving room. Where did that go wrong in recruiting? Who's responsible for that? Alabama's still going to be really good defensively. Dallas Turner. Kool-Aid McKinstry, I'm not worried about them in this game. Uh, Will Reichert is solid. Probably going to win the Groza Award as the best kicker. He's pretty much money from anywhere on the field. I like Will Reichert. I like Alabama big. The line's 39, over under 52. I just think they're going to line up. They're going to pummel this team with the running game. They've got to find some receivers to step up, make some plays, catch the ball, and really be dynamic on the outside. Another interesting game. Cross-conference game, Penn State and West Virginia. The number seven, Nittany Lions. People talking about they have a chance to sneak in. Are they going to be a team that upsets the apple cart for Michigan or Ohio State? I don't know. I don't know. But I like Drew Aller. Backed up Clifton last year. He'll have help from the running back combo with Nicholas Singleton and Kate Allen. Combined, those two guys ran for 1,928 yards and 22 touchdowns. They got a possible first-round draft pick and offensive line. Alumaway Fasano, the defense, really kind of bought into many of his high-pressure attack. You have Abdul Carter, uh, at strong, a strong linebacker, with the lead of the defense being Curtis Jacobs returning, opting not to enter into the NFL. Neil Brown, you know, is, I think he's starting the year on the hot seat for West Virginia. Garrett Green is probably going to be your starting quarterback. You might see the youngster Nico Marshall. The D needs to improve, though. They gave up 32.9 points per game. The line, Penn State, 20 and a half with the over-under 50. I would probably, man, I think, you know, I just, I, I don't know, you know. West Virginia wants to run the ball. They have a bad secondary. So if Penn State can get that, that passing game going, I'd probably take Penn State at home. It's at night. It's going to be a crazy, crazy, crazy environment. 50 I'd probably go under that. A big matchup. Some people, this could have been a top 25 battle between the two teams. Um, as it sits, North, number one, number 21, North Carolina, taking on South Carolina. South Carolina just outside the top 25. Drake May versus Spencer Rattler, a great quarterback matchup. Drake May, a lot of people talking about, could be a first-round pick. Of course, Spencer Rattler, all the hype coming you know, with him when he got to Oklahoma, being on QB1, transferring South Carolina, though. Really coming off a good close to the season, even though they lost to Notre Dame in the bowl game, but beating Tennessee, beating Clemson. Antoine Wells decided to come back for the Gamecocks. They need to find a running back for the year. South Carolina, one of the best secondaries last year. I think Shane Beamer's doing a great job out there. Um, I, I just I just really think it's it's at South Carolina. They're going to have sandstorm blow. You know, it, it's, it, it's big. It's big. 
you know, I, I kind of lead to the to the side of of South Carolina winning this game. You know, Mac Brown, the Tar Heels. Is this the year that's open for them? Potential first round quarterback though, and Drake May, ACC Player of the Year, second nationally in total offense. Elijah Green back as their leading rusher defensively last year in uh, in yards. They were last in the ACC in sacks and rushing yards allowed. They need to have some improvement. Line is Carolina by two and a half. I would take South Carolina taking the points. And because of that defense, I, I, it's 64 and a half. I, I just, I don't know. I'd probably go over. It's a lot of points, but I would take South Carolina getting the point. I think South Carolina is going to win the game straight up, but I would take them getting the points and the over in that game. Tulane, number 24, the darlings of last year for beating Lincoln Riley and USC. Tulane looks to build off a great close of the year. Michael Pratt is back for Tulane and should be the favorite to win the ACC. Willie Fritz's team is going to benefit from Cincinnati, Central Florida, Houston being gone. Jaquan Jackson is going to be the top returning wide receiver. South Alabama, most people's picks to win the Sun Belt. Carter Bradley threw for over 3,300 yards last year with 28 touchdowns. He does need to cut back on his 12 interceptions. Colin Lacey, Devin Voison, big-time receivers. The D returns to six top tacklers. The six top tacklers, excuse me, off their 10 and 3 season, 7 and 1 in the Sun Belt. The line is Tulane by 6.5 to over under 52. I would probably take, I think this game is close. I think South Alabama is a really good game, a really good team, excuse me. The over 52, I'd probably take the over, but I would take uh, South Alabama getting the 6.5 points. Number 18, Oregon State at San Jose State. DJ Uwe Unglele, I mentioned it before, I just don't think he's the guy. I don't think he's the guy. I'm not buying DJ Uwe Unglele. For the five returning starters on the offensive line, the run game is going to be key with Damian Martinez, who was the Pac-12 freshman of the year. Ohio State, in a time span from 2018 to this year, has gone from the worst to the best defense in the Pac-12. All Pac-12 safety, Keaton Oladapo. I really I just... I'm not buying DJ. If you could not do it at Clemson, I just don't think that you can get it done at Oregon State. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. We saw Shevin Cordero, what he could do against USC. I, I think, you know, the Oregon State defense is probably a little bit better than USC. So we'll see what that dual effect, that dual threat effect can do for San Jose State. The over 55 and a half, I'd probably go with that over. Ohio, Oregon State giving up 16 and a half. Man, that's. It's a lot of points, but I'd probably I, – I would take San Jose State getting a 16.5. Again, I just don't buy DJ at quarterback. That's me. Number nine, Clemson at Duke. Cade Klubnick, is he the guy? Can he continue to dominate with a giveaway to Florida State? He had his two biggest games last year, Cade did, in the ACC title game and against Tennessee. He threw for an average of 340 yards. Will Shipley's back as a junior running back. And Antoine Williams, leading receiver, all five starters returning on the offensive line. Plus, they have Garrett Hart, Garrett Riley at offensive coordinator. He was at TCU, the younger brother of Lincoln Riley, offensive guru. We'll see. Two of the best linebackers in the country, Barrett Carter and Jeremiah Trotter Jr. I, I, I like what they bring. They're just not as great defensively as they were when they had Brent Venables. Clemson will be very interesting. You know, again. They've got to get out of this. It's a conference game right off the rip. They have to get out of it healthy, again, because in two weeks they take on Florida State, which is a big game for both teams. 
Duke is going to be led by Riley Leonard, a dual-threat quarterback. Duke averaged 32.8 points per game last year. Nine offensive starters returning. The top two tacklers from last year are gone. The line is Clemson, minus 13, over under 55.5. I'll take the over. I'll take uh, Clemson. Giving up. I think they win the game uh, pretty easily. But, again, I would take the over. Like I mentioned at the beginning, guys, this is my birthday weekend. It's a lot of fun. We talked a little bit about. So what what, what I'm going to do, so I'm going to start with dessert. My mom, as a kid when I was growing up, would make homemade, and, and I say this, she would make homemade cookies and cream ice cream. Now, how she would do this, we wouldn't go buy like an ice cream maker or anything. You get a large, a large Tupperware bowl or, or a container, all right? You get basically a gallon of vanilla ice cream. You let it sit out for a little bit. Let it get soft, not, not turn into a milkshake, but you let it get soft. Two containers of Cool Whip. You let that kind of get a little bit soft, you know, out of the freezer. And then you can take as many Oreos as you want. But you take the ice cream, the Cool Whip, you mix it up. Then you crumble the Oreos into it, mix it up, put it in the freezer, let it set. I used to get in trouble because I would eat this so much. But my wife asked what I wanted. With the kids being home, everything, that's what I want for dessert. I want mom's Oreo cookies and cream ice cream. That's what we're going to make. I hope that I do it justice. Throughout the day, it's going to be... I'm going to be like Templeton from Charlotte's Web at the fair. You know, I, I'm going to have some steamed shrimp with some cocktail sauce. I, I can eat my body weight in shrimp. I just hope I don't get iodine poisoning from it. There's going to be some wings. I do like Publix wings for the size, the flavor, the cost. I, I like Publix. I'm going to go with some blue cheese, probably go with a hot with some blue cheese. I like blue cheese over ranch just for me. And then we're going to do individualized tacos. We're going to get our, our, our nachos, excuse me. The younger kids have talked about they want kind of like the Doritos tacos. Is that Doritos nachos as their base? That's fine. I'll let them do that. I'm going to get the chips, going to make a cheese sauce, the beef, lettuce, sour cream, jalapenos, everything. We're going to do it up, have a really good time. I've got, you know, my my shot of bourbon that I'm going to start before the game. I think I'm going to break open my bottle of Wild Turkey Rare Breed. So if you're a bourbon fan, we could talk about that as well. I'll get into my bourbon collection a little bit later, uh, a couple episodes down the road. But that's that's going to be my plan. You know, my, my mom and stepdad are coming up. I'm going to hang out with my family on Sunday. Saturday, I'm watching football. Now, I will have to admit, I'm going to my local coffee shop on Saturday morning called Cala Coffee, C-A-L-A, here in Alabama. Great place. I love it. Me and my wife, that's kind of our weekend place. We'll go get coffee, talk about everything, and just I I, I love supporting local. And, and, and talking about supporting local, I want to say thank you if you're listening. Christy Jones, um, I, I got to know Christy a long time ago when I was in the radio business. Her son Redford, a kicker at Norman North, he went on to Tulsa. He set the all-time scoring record at the University of Tulsa as a kicker. A great family. Christy and her, and her husband were were phenomenal. Um, they were supportive of what I did. And that group of, of young men, you talk about Redford Jones, you, you talk about JT Gasso, or DJ Gasso, excuse me, JT's brother, you know, what he's doing, Jordan Evans, you know, and I know I'm leaving guys, you know, quarterback one, Peyton Gavris guys out there, man. That was a great run for us. But Christy now is a life coach, a motivational speaker, and she did me a big solid. She kind of pubbed me on her social medias about this podcast, and, and I'm doing the same. 
She has a podcast out there. Women, if you're looking for that life coach, aha moments, funny stories, check out the Christy Jones show. It's on Apple Podcasts. You see it everywhere. Uh, Christy is, is very smart, very uplifting, very positive. So I would say check out the Christy Jones. So again, Christy, thank you for the um, for the shout out through your socials. I hope that this kind of returns the favor and I hope we can bring and kind of cross work. But I hope all your family's doing well out there. Uh, I do want to mention, so this is going to air on Thursday. I do want to mention next Thursday, I'm going to have my first guest. Next Thursday, I'm at my first guest, the play-by-play voice of the University of Oklahoma, a good friend of mine, Toby Rowland, host of the wildly popular T-Row in the Morning Show out in Oklahoma, does play-by-play for the University of Oklahoma football, basketball, baseball. I mean, he's been to a college football playoff, a college world series, a final four, one of the best to do it. He's going to join me. We're going to talk about college football. Of course, we'll probably talk about some Oklahoma stuff, you know, with uh, game one going to be underway, what his thoughts are heading into the SEC, what to look forward to. I'm just, I'm really excited to talk to Toby, but that's going to be the next Thursday show as we get head into looking towards week two. But thank you for joining me on this episode of Sports Bites. I hope you've enjoyed this mouthwatering journey. Remember to stay tuned for more episodes that combine our two passions. So until next time, welcome back, football. Savor the flavors, and remember to always positively move forward. <laughs>